Good morning. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity. We're glad to have you join us for our online service. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to read a passage from Luke 24. And warning, it's a long passage, so we're going to break it up into a couple of segments and then walk through it and try to see what we can see from the Word. But first, let's read. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing together while you walk along? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he asked them, what things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, <clears throat> mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for truth. God, that your truth not only tells us things that are true about you, but it also gives us insight into what's fundamentally true concerning us. Help us to see and receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So church, the Easter season <clears throat> continues on, and we're going to look at this theme. I love uh, how the resurrection just keeps weaving into these gospel accounts over the next um, last number of weeks and even going forward. We're just going to be spending a lot of time with the gospels teaching us to think clear thoughts about the resurrection of Jesus, and I think the Lord has some really good stuff for us today. The first thing that we've got to hear is this. Uh, Jesus loves to enter into ongoing conversations. Cleopas, this man and his partner, his traveling companion, are walking along the road, uh, presumably leaving Jerusalem and, and going home. And they're just verbalizing, they're processing, they're saying the things that they're thinking. And Jesus actually walks up to them, but they don't recognize him. He just seems like a stranger on the road. And Jesus asks them, what are, you, what are you all talking about? And I love the fact that God enters into the conversation and their eyes are, are, are not open to the fact that it's Jesus. The grief is at play. Jesus' resurrection is doing all kinds of interesting things to his physical body. Um, so they don't know that it's him, but God's closer to them than they imagine. And I love the fact that Jesus draws them out into their conversation. He says, what are y'all talking about? What have you heard? And they began to be really honest with him. They uh, verbalized their confusion. They verbalized their disillusionment. They even verbalized some of their uh, tenuous hope. Um, they were looking for Jesus to do something. And now they don't know what to make of the fact that he's gone. And there are some among their number who are saying that he's alive. And I just want to say this to you. One of the things that I think I've been more aware of in recent days is that I think Jesus loves to enter into our conversations when we're verbalizing what's going on inside our heart, whether what's in there is good and hopeful or, or not so much. These two traveling companions are like Thomas. 
they don't know what to make of what's happened. They, they don't know what to feel. They, they don't know what to, um, where their story's going to go or even what to verbalize and put before God. They're just putting some honesty out there. And I think, y'all, the best and most honest thing that we can do right now is to verbalize and express and to talk about things that matter, whether they feel messy or not. These two people enter into an honest place with God. And the thing that I find so striking about this conversation is that God is much closer to them than they think. He's more near and proximate to them than they're aware. And I've just had this sense in the last number of days that I think there have been some spaces where God's been closer to me than I thought. Uh, maybe nearer to me in my verbalizing or my processing um, with Karen or uh, with my kids or with friends on the phone than I would have even been aware of myself. But one of the things that strikes me about Jesus' engagement here is he doesn't rush to assuage all their fears. He doesn't rush to say, hey, guys, stop being sad and confused. It's me. It's all good. He actually just draws them out by entering into their struggle with them. And I think that for some of us right now, we need to catch a vision of a God who's not going to make everything go away and all the hurts stop right away. But he is going to enter into our struggle with us. The question is, will we let him? And if we're not verbalizing, it's harder, I think, for us to be aware of God in our struggle. We got we to gotta start saying how we're feeling and what we're thinking. And that's what these two people do. And Jesus actually enters into that space, um, that difficult space with them. And I think he wants to do the same thing for you and me. Um, but but let's, let's keep reading. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. That leads me to the second thing I want to say to you. And this one's really got my attention this week, is that Jesus wants us to extend hospitality to him, but he will not force himself into our intimate spaces. So if you take this on a, on a literal level, Jesus wanted to be invited into these people's homes. He wanted to be invited into the structure of intimacy in their life, but he wasn't going to kick their door down. So he did what people do. He just sort of acted like he was going to keep going and hoping that they would say, no, no, come hang out with us. And that's exactly what they do. Jesus desired lodging and community. He wanted to be welcomed into their intimate space, the structure of their intimate space, which is their home. And they invite him in. And Jesus then enters in. And I think for you and me, we've got to figure out what this means for us right now. Um, I believe Jesus wants to be invited in. I don't think he's going to kick the door down. And right now for you and me, that means something. We need to find out what it looks like to make room for Jesus to come into our intimate spaces, to be welcomed in. At the beginning there, a few minutes ago in our service, before I uh, stood here to preach to you, we heard a God story from Nan Martin, one of our members here on the West Side, who through the prayer of examine is creating a space, a structure, and she's inviting the Lord to come into that structure. Nan basically is doing what these two um, travelers on the Emmaus road did. She's saying to Jesus, here's a space, come into it. 
I know in my own personal life, God speaks to me more through the prayer of exam and maybe than any other form of prayer because it is a space where I'm saying to God, enter into this structure and speak to me, be near to me. And man, I just want to commend you for your story, uh, for your honesty, uh, your humility, and also the courage that it takes to share a God story um, with us as a church. And I just want to say to you, um, Nan is not and does not have to be the only person who is actually creating space for God. There's an invitation for each and every one of us to say, I want to make room for Jesus to come in. And I'm just going to tell you, um, just like it was true with these people on the road to Emmaus, if you make a space for God, even a simple one, he will enter into that space. And when he does, good things happen. So let's, let's keep reading. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. The third thing you got to hear here, guys, is that Jesus looks most like himself when he assumes authority in your intimate space. See, these two people didn't know it was Jesus until he sat down at the head of the table in their house and assumed authority by breaking bread. Now, y'all, you've got to hear this. In the ancient world, it would have been totally normal for Cleopas to sit at his head of table and break bread and give it to the guest, Jesus. But Jesus turns the whole thing upside down. Rather than be a passive guest, Jesus assumes a role of leadership in Cleopas's intimate space inside his home. I've found this to be true in my own life. Every time I think I'm inviting God in to be a guest in my space, he starts taking over. Jesus is messing around in the kitchen before we know it. And that's exactly what happens here. Jesus is invited in as a guest, and then he assumes a role of leadership. And it's no coincidence, church, that it's when Jesus assumes a role of authoritative leadership that his friends recognize him for who he is. Jesus looks most like himself when he's asking you to submit to his leadership and authority. And there is great joy, y'all, in submission and right now, I think for many of us, there's a real invitation for us to find out what it means to let Jesus be the authoritative leader in our intimate space. And I don't, I'm not going to tell you exactly what that looks like for you, but I am going to tell you that I believe that Jesus will look most like himself when he takes that role of leadership, but you've got to let him take that role of leadership. Cleopas had to welcome him in. Well, I guess first he had to tell him what he was feeling. Then he had to welcome Jesus in. And then he had to recognize Jesus when Jesus was assuming a role of leadership. And I think the same journey or trajectory is true for you and me. So their eyes are open and they see him and then Jesus disappears. And that leads me to the fourth thing. As soon as they recognize Jesus and Jesus then is no longer visible to their sight, they run back to Jerusalem. And so the fourth and last thing I want to put in front of you today is this. Jesus wants to move you just like he moved Cleopas and Cleopas's uh, friend. Jesus wants you to get moving. So what does Cleopas do? Um, they get up and they run seven miles back to Jerusalem. 
So they walked away from Jerusalem confused. Now they run back. And remember when Cleopas stopped in his sadness and said, Jesus, have you been living under a rock there at the beginning of the conversation? Well, now the movement of hope has actually got him unstuck. And I believe that God wants to say something to you and to me. There's a place here to where even in the midst of all the disorientation, God wants to unstick us. One of the gifts of resurrection is that it gets you moving again. It gets you moving with hope. And what we see here at the very end of this passage, I think, is an example of what it feels like to get yourself unstuck. They left in hopelessness and they run back with hope. God wants you to be the kind of person who's able to go and see things that were stuck become unstuck in your life. And I think there's an invitation here for all of us, even in the midst of this season of remarkable disorientation. What does it look like for my life to have a sense of movement, a sense of hope about it? So what do they do? They go back, they find the 11, they find the disciples, the friends of Jesus. And by the time they get there, the friends of Jesus were, were rejoicing. Peter had seen the Lord. So as soon as they come in, the friends of Jesus say, we've seen the resurrected Jesus. Like it's happened. The resurrection is real. And then Cleopas and his traveling companions say, we also have seen Jesus. And then as they verbalize it, as they speak together, Jesus appears again. There's a theme here, y'all. Jesus always shows up when people are speaking. Early on, Cleopas and his traveling companion are speaking. Jesus shows up. Now, the friends of God are speaking and Jesus shows up. I believe that God inhabits our dialogue. Whether our dialogue is hopeful or confused, whether our dialogue is clear or unclear, when we're speaking about the things that matter about God, God comes close to us. And sometimes we recognize it and sometimes we don't. But y'all, the common denominator here is that when we get moving and when we open up our mouths and we say things that matter, things that are real, things that are honest, God comes close to us. And I love it at the end. While they were speaking, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. Y'all, the word of Jesus to us in this season is a word of peace. Peace doesn't mean you know um, everything is going to be great. Peace doesn't mean everything makes sense. Peace means God is near to us and can give us the strength that we need to keep moving forward with faithfulness. So Jesus shows up when you talk. So maybe it's time for us to start speaking together. Maybe it's time for us to start creating some spaces and inviting Jesus to come into those spaces. I believe that if we do that, we're going to experience the presence of God more than we would at any other time.